How's it, internet? And welcome to Two Guys in SharePoint. The only SharePoint show in South Africa where everything is not made up and we don't give out any points. How's it, Al? All right, and you, Mr. Modlin. Yeah, lacquer brew. Five-day weekends are, are the shit, hey? They are magic, man. They are magic. Yeah, are you doing well? I, I am, actually. But yeah, the, the, the five-day weekends are magic, but they, they screw with everything that I'm busy with. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have so much work to go back to on Tuesday, but I'm not thinking about that now. It's so painful. You're busy with something, and then you get called sideways, and then you lose three days, and that whole train of thought and everything disappears with it. Yeah, and you've got to ramp back up from scratch. Yeah. yeah, very painful. Something that's not painful, we have a cool guest on today. We do, and, and coincidentally, we recorded it on a Monday. Um, he's been on the show before. I think it was at SharePoint Saturday when we had those initial group conversations. We've got uh, Brandon Burtis on the show to talk to us about his experiences. Uh, he's worked uh, outside of South Africa. He spent a lot of time in Dubai, and he, and he worked for uh, DICOM, which is an image capture company that used to own uh, Kofax, the product. So we want to talk a bit about where that is going and the age-old story about the paperless office and, and what his views are in the world. So over to that segment. So this week on the show, he's been on before, uh, but he hasn't had his own uh, spotlighted name up in lights next to uh, the episode number for two guys in SharePoint. So, and I, I think it's... it's, it's it's topical that, that we bring him on now. We've been trying to get him on before. And it is a Monday that we're recording on. <laughs> Welcome to the show, <laughs> Brandon Burtis. Thanks, Alistair. How are you doing? All right, and you, man. Uh, it yeah. is Monday. It is Monday, uh, yeah. MCM. <laughs> How coy is that? Who's your MCM for today, Alistair? Is it still me or is it somebody else? Who's my MCM for every Monday, Brandon? <laughs> Uh, that is strange that, that it's, on this, it's on a Monday. Yeah, it is. It is, I must say. I think so, you did this on purpose. I, trust me, there was no planning. It was only <laughs> a life when we, when we said it's Monday. Uh, so just for the listeners out there, just a bit of background. Sure. So um, I've got a, big, uh, a large background uh, extensively working, working in black distribution space. So I've lived and worked in, in Dubai for a few years as well, over and above, yeah. And um, I've also worked uh, for many years throughout the European regions with the company I used to work for, uh, which was in the digital scanning space. So that's actually how I got into SharePoint. I never got into SharePoint like most of the other guys through a specific space where you get into document management, but it was more around the scanning aspect. And then molding that and working that into the, the document management space of SharePoint, because we used to sell third-party application products um, that would uh, attach into that. Um, so I've been doing it for many years now. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a fundi like some of the other guys, but uh, yeah, I've got a passion for it and uh, for most things tech and trying to make things simpler and better. And that's sort of why I stuck in this industry because it's all about that, right? So yeah, um, I don't know what else there is that you you want me to, I'm to say. I'm not too sure if we actually spoke because Generally, when we select speakers, we have a look at, obviously, your history, and, and it's, it's around a theme. So, I think, in, in your case, image capture solutions, yeah. um, the latter term, are, 
But back in the old days, we used to call it now you scan paper, scanning, yeah, you know, scanning. black file conversion yeah. and all of these things. And then someone, I think it was Intervate that sort of labeled themselves first, uh, oh, we're an IC, we can do ICS, you know, image capture solutions. And, and they did a really good job at that in this market. Oh, uh, they, they got uh, good good inroads to big clients. Um, no, for so, sure. So selling, not yeah, so selling the solution. Yeah. Yeah. Selling the solution. I think it's difficult for, and you're the other way around. You've seen yourself come in from scan paper and everything around paper because mm -hmm. it's a science on its own to now all of a sudden doing SharePoint. Whereas the converse is true for 90% of the population. They'll come in from SharePoint and then realize we have stuff and paper like PODs that we're trying to get into our content repository. And now all of a sudden we have to now unpack and understand what it is to scan a piece of paper. And generally people seem to think that in the old days when they commercialized scanning flatbed scanners, everyone had a flatbed scanner yeah. at one stage. And it was all things. <laughs> it was. Everyone was excited about it. We can now scan our photos. And people tended to oh, well, this is how we scan paper. This is how we scan, whereas it's a completely different world. Yeah. And you can load testament. You work for the largest um, software scanning house in the world. Yeah, Kovacs, so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great company. Best still, in my opinion, best capturing product there is, um, especially with a lot of acquisitions they made lately. So, yeah, so, so look, that is, that is sort of where I came from. So a lot of people come from the top down and I've come from the bottom up, okay? Um, so when you talk about image capture and what scanning actually is, it seems pretty simple, but it can be actually, it's very, very complex. So as soon as you start scanning in specific documents, eight out of 10 times, the reason is because uh, it's going to be a record of some sort. Okay. And there's lots of different platforms you can tie into to, to make that happen. SharePoint being one of them. So my experience doesn't only extend to the SharePoint space, but to other platforms as well, because I worked throughout those. Um, not as extensively though, as I did within SharePoint. Um, but it's a mindset thing. I think when you look at uh, image capture, a lot of people who have document management systems, they want to manage their documents, but still more than 50% in this day of their documents sits on paper. It doesn't necessarily get generated or created inside of a document management system or a document uh, creation system like a draw loop or anything like that or, or chorus. It's something that sits outside of that space uh, or they've created a little word on their desktop and then uploaded that to SharePoint. But there's still a lot of profiles that, that, that sit there. So when they look down from the top down and they look and say, okay, well, what do I need to do? The architecture that they've built in a SharePoint or document management space is not necessarily built correctly for what they need the application to do. So you've got to like relook at that, redesign that. So it becomes very, very expensive because there's a lot of things you've got to consider sometimes. Whereas I've seen that if you start from the bottom up and Guys who actually are looking for a document management system to manage their scanning, scan images. Uh, it's far simpler, far easier to implement and far cheaper as well because they're starting with the basic sets and then expanding from there is pretty simple. Um, so there's always those two aspects. So fortunately, I've had a lot of experience from both angles. And uh, yeah, it's still something I'm very passionate about. We, I still work with the product. I still work with Kofax a lot. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's something so simple, but everybody just seems to ignore it until that time comes in that audit on your door saying, hey, listen, uh, you've got these uh, issues here with your, your documents that aren't secure and safe and whatever, and you pass a fine. And then everybody comes screaming, hey, I need this. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it's time to obviously implement it. It's a little too late, but uh, at least you get it done. We spoke about 
enterprise information management, I think it was two weeks ago, <coughs> didn't have a, a guest on the show. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing, uh, traditionally, speaking about getting paper yeah. into your, your environment, companies don't adopt knowledge management because that forms part of a knowledge management strategy. Yeah. And that's all these point things. Customer wants to, there's a declaration of interest form and all of a sudden they want to create an electronic copy and boom, they go and they go to SharePoint and now there's all of these other bits. Are you seeing a, a trend moving back? Or do you see knowledge management come to the fore when people start looking at wanting to scan paper over and above just working with electronic documents? Like you said earlier, there's an actual process and there's more around the legalities of having that physical record available, not only electronically, but being able to find it. Are you, are yep. you seeing that trend come through? So in South Africa, yes. Um, but later the party on some things, but there is some guys have been doing it for a while, but in my honest opinion, not correctly. So they just scan for the sake of scanning and putting it in there, but they don't actually manage it correctly from an enterprise perspective, as you just said now, from an EIM perspective, because there's a lot more to it than just that, right? It's where the document lies, the metadata attached, if it's a record or not, if that's even relevant. And then if there's any knowledge uh, management aspects attached to those documents. So in our markets, not so much in our market, it's purely to get it in to manage the documents in electronic form, more around the record space. But in the Middle East, um, where I lived for a while in Dubai, um, I can tell you that uh, they actually passed the law just um, a little while ago, the government. Um, and within four years, the whole government will be paperless. So they, they were looking at it from a completely different angle. And the market's far more mature there and in the European market, they're, they're there as well, right? So they look at it from an enterprise information management perspective where your paper documents is related back to specific things because they're scanning archival type stuff that needs to be kept from a records perspective. They're scanning in information that can be later used to distribute inside internally for, for specific type of knowledge management aspects and whatever metadata is attached to that, whatever case studies are attached to that, all that sort of stuff. So reference material. And they're going in that direction where everything's going to be paperless. So for them, they've been doing this for a very, very long time. They're already at the point where they know exactly what they need to use it for. And the strategies around it is built 100% correctly. So the guys that are doing sort of scanning now uh, from a paper perspective, they've got to obviously relook and think, okay, well, what is it that we're going to do here? Because there's no more work for us in four years. We don't need that. Nobody's really going to need a, a scanner for a business perspective, you know? Um, so uh, well, up until the, the, the government's partners, the end users like us stop using paper, but that's, that's the key, right? Um, so what are the trends there? What else is there that, that, that can happen in that space? So there's a lot of things the guys are looking at. And the enterprise information management's definitely in that, um, uh, in that line of thought and what they're going to do and how they're going to manage that information. So knowledge management for me, I think if you look at all the tools, if you look at Office 65 now, everything's in that space. So it's very unstructured though, so it's not in, in the space that I come from. I come from a very structured background because scanning is all about structure, governance, rules, all that sort of stuff, metadata, etc. But if you look at products that Microsoft have in Office 65, Teams, Groups, whatever, and you just slap dash stuff in there, and that's a knowledge management tool because you can search and reference stuff and conversations and all that and sharing. That's what knowledge management generally is. It's a, a collaboration aspect around information that you have, whether it be a physical document, digital document, whether it just be some line text that you're typing somebody. And everybody's using that now and that space is where it is. So from a knowledge management perspective there, um, I see that the scanning part is going to be be completely irrelevant. But maybe the rules around how you manage that before it got into SharePoint is still relevant. 
So the type of information that sits around that document, what you're sort of discussing, how you manage that information. Because as I said, I come from that background where everything's got to have a specific place, so now it doesn't. But I think it's still relevant to make sure that from a user perspective, you at least educate them to put in the basics. So what is the name of the document? What is it specifically you're trying to talk about? The type of information you're sharing? What's the relevance around all that stuff? And how do you manage that in those tools? So coming back to something that you said, you mentioned the, that interesting term that it's been around, I think, since the, before both our times, and for me to say before my time, it must be back in the 80s, because my life happened in the 90s. Yeah. So I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> so <coughs> the old AIM started, COFAX started two yeah. years after AIM. The COFAX started in 84, AIM started in 82, yeah. memory serves. Just got to check my notes. But yes, we've been hearing this term, the paperless office, Forever. since the beginning of time. Yeah. It's like the holy grail of enlightenment, being able to say, there's nothing in my office that gets printed on paper. But people say, oh, we want to go in the paperless office, e this and e that, but no one ever gets rid of the printers though. Printers stay. Companies like Cofax are transforming. They've even created a tool called KTA instead of KTM, which we'll talk yep. about with the Capture Rights guys. But KTA, Tokyo Agility, they move from worrying about paper because like oil is an end date to when people are scanning paper because there's no more paper left to scan because no one's creating anything that's on paper. But I still think that's a half a century away. Um, maybe with millennials coming through and everyone's on their phone and we sign stuff on phones, uh, we've got a career company that we both worked with <laughs> that, that, that shows up and you get to scan on a little, yep. a little and they take pictures of paper though. It's still paper. Yeah, it's still paper. So it's still paper. They're trying, but they're not succeeding. But uh, the concept of a, of a paperless office, I, I think it's a pipe dream. I really do think it's so, a pipe dream. I agree with you. I've heard this for many years and I also think it's a pipe dream. But I've uh, I've seen specific organizations work paperless completely, not even a printer in the office in some in, in some parts. And, in uh, South Africa? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not yeah, uh, Not yet at all. But uh, in the European space and the Middle Eastern space, there are a few. Um, but that's a company decision, okay? It's not a legislation or a law or whatever. And it's... Well, it's something in that South they Africa, need. there's still legislation around it. Yeah, true, there is. Um, and, uh, the concept of a wet signature, that's what they call it. Or yeah, wet I, I, it's just archaic mindset, no, that's it is, what it is. No one, it's, it's like with records management. The records management act that we use for national archives yeah. is actually based from the 80s. Yes, um, it's horrible. There were guidelines written, I think, in 2003 by a friend of mine. Um, she wrote two white papers. Well, she wrote two papers that they base stuff on. Um, and yeah, she was even saying that uh, 34 uh, metadata elements to control 34. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And when she wrote them, she wrote the book on it pretty much. And they're trying to convince national archives that they need to move on. But even coming back to the paperless office, is, is it a pipe dream? Do you, do you so, so, yes and no. So, for me, yes, I've always thought this and seen this. I've seen some paperless offices, but as I said, that's a or companies, but that's a company mindset, right? It's not a global phenomenon that everyone's going to go paperless. It's just a, something that people say. But as I said now, they have passed a law in Dubai that they will be paperless within four years, 100%, which is fantastic, okay? 
because it's it's good that the people in government that are passing laws and legislation are trying to make that difference okay to sort of it's all about this let's save the environment and use less paper that's what the people think about when they say let's be paperless i want to save the environment i want to cut down trees what a load of crap it's honestly they just say that because that's what they, they want to they want to sound cool and special they're not doing it for business purposes they're doing it because they're trying to to be one of those trendsetters who's going to sort of save the world and save the environment. Green it's got nothing, yeah, and it's got nothing. To, it's got a lot to do with that in the back end, but in the front end of what your business, how your business operates, it's more about efficiency, right? When you want to be paperless, it's being more efficient, um, being able to send things immediately, getting things signed off immediately. We use that. We have a proposal system that we have that people can sign digitally. It's accepted. We don't send any paper proposals out to anybody anymore inside of uh, my, my my company. Um, and we send it off and it works quickly. I can send a proposal now, I'll have a response back in five minutes and it's approved, done. I don't have to meet the clients, I don't have to do anything like that. We've had a discussion before. So it makes us far more efficient. That's why you go paperless. Not to save the trees, that's a, that's a, a nice thing, but it's not what you do it for. So if you look at the Dubai government, that's what they're actually doing. They're not doing it for um, uh, energy uh, conservation, I mean a, a wildlife conservation perspective, or save the world or save the earth. That's an element of it, but they're doing it to be more efficient. They want to be able to produce things and get things out far quicker, simpler, and easier to the people. And that's the purpose. And if you have that mindset, going paperless will be far simpler for you than thinking, oh, I must go paperless because of this reason and trying to find reasons. If you want to be more efficient, you can do that. But so we'll one, see. There's only one Dubai, though. Yeah, we, exactly. I know. And they are the forefront. And I've got some things I'd like to... Uh, they, they do very different to everybody else, you know? Um, but it is. I, I don't know. I don't think anybody's going to catch on anytime soon. It's still a long time away. There's going to be one or two that's going to do it, like uh, Dubai, for instance. And it's only Dubai, not the rest of the UAE. Um, so who's going to come around uh, and, and do it like they're going to do? Um, I don't know. It's a couple of years away. A couple of years away. So the question that you, you mentioned earlier on now, the knock-on impact. We see Kofax. Um, I know you work with Knowledge Lake. Yeah. Interesting <laughs> product. Um, and they made them, just on the knowledge lake thing, if they didn't have the office ribbon, no one would have taken note of how cool knowledge lake was because that was their claim to fame. It looks like worth it. Yeah, and well, look, on 2010, okay, they so the structure that you get now in, in SharePoint with regards to creating structures like document type structures and a view, those sort of things people didn't really do much in 2010. So they had that already pre built as a web part. And that was super cool because everything was structured and you could see if this was a PDF or a Word or what the name of the company was. And that stuff's all capable. You could do that back then if you wanted, but nobody did. So they used that as part of their claim to fame as well, right? Um, and it's about creating that structure in unstructured environments. I like Knowledge Lake. Uh, good company, good tool. Um, it was cheap at the time. Uh, yeah, scanning-wise, didn't compete against no, the companies like no. Perfects, but integration to SharePoint-wise, I think it had some space. Not at um, all. But we'll see, they pulled out of this market, out of Africa, and they pulled out of Europe as well, and they just went back to the US because business... It's tough and uh, they need to re-strategize, right? It all lift and shift where people go, okay, rip out Kerfax page count too much and then put in knowledge like and then realize functionality, not enough, and then they eventually go and find some sort of hybrid. But just talking about paperless, uh, the, the knock-on effect, so coming back to you, let's use another industry, so we run out of our natural resource yep. being oil and you've seen guys like uh, Elon Musk going on, oh, Tesla, we're selling more cars than Ford right now. And moving into this electronic space. Yeah. But the bolt-on effect, um, when it comes to industry and the impact it has on industry regarding, oh shit, so 
there's no oil and everything that's associated with oil is a knock-on effect. The same would be for going paperless. I think printers, yeah. guys like HP, no longer have to manufacture printers. Yeah, look, HP, if you think about it, the most profitable business for HP is their toner industry. Yeah. So they make huge amounts of profit yeah. there, like $2 billion US dollars a year in a specific market region, just on toners. Yeah. Um, so it's very profitable. So that's not good for them, yeah. right? Well, because, go, go to macro. Yeah. Go buy a Samsung, a Samsung M2020W wireless printer. Yeah. $1,399 for the printer. Yeah. Toner. But the toner that ships with the printer lasts about 60 pages. Yes. And you have to go buy a toner. Yeah. One they two. scam you. $1,200 for a toner. Yeah. Look, you can get it cheaper. The guys online do it for eight nine hundred rand. But that's it's the same with income. I have a Canon one. It's got, uh, I've got to put in six toners. It's got one of those. Because my wife's oh, the a teacher. Yeah, so she needs all those like uh, high quality or whatever. Oh. And it's absolutely ridiculous. No, it's crazy. I can buy a new printer every month instead of yes. just get the little toners that yeah, are in there. You're getting 30 pages maybe. Uh, but the, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's absolutely ridiculous. And it's got five. And you have to purchase a specific for each one of them costs like 400 rand. So I'm like, I, I can't. Like, what, what is the point of this? Like, it's just relevant. And that's where they make their money. If you think about it, they sell you this whole printer, which has got all these mechanical parts and can do all this cool stuff and scanning and printing and connect via wireless and everything. And it costs literally nothing. But the toners cost you twice or three times as much. Uh, makes no sense. Well, it's the same with Sony and Microsoft Orion Gaming. Go buy a game, it's 1,200 Rand. Console, they'll discount in lieu of the fact that they can sell games. Yeah. It's the same principle. But managed print services as an industry will all but non won't exist anymore. Yeah. Should the world go and say, all right, forget saving the trees. What do we spend on consumables yeah. to run a business? I, I dealt with a government department in, in KZN. I think it was in 2010, 20, 2009, 2010. And they had a managed print services solution. Great, they didn't have to worry about printers or anything, but they buy toners. And because their supply chain never ever got the message to them saying that this printer's end of life, or the IT people, they get a printer, it's faulty. The company comes in, replaces the printer because it's end of life with a new MFP, different toner cartridge. They had a storeroom, a three by two meter storeroom full of toner cartridges that they didn't have printers for because they just continually wanted it. A lot of organizations, when it comes to consumable management, will go, give us the printers, we will buy the printer. The toner cartridges, but they never get to a point. So that entire industry that now, uh, what does it cost for you to go point per click or click per point or something yeah. around, or does it click cost, per page, yeah. click per page, yeah. or does it cost for you to print a page in your organization yeah. and have work with printers? And it's expensive. I, I used to work for Xerox, actually. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> As it's part of how my transition came into the space, right? And I have a friend who still owns a Xerox business and they struggle um, purely because everything is becoming so expensive. So in the printing industry, these guys used to make killer money. Anybody in office automation used to drive the nicest cars, fanciest of everything because they just used to get killer money for the amount of margin they can make on one of these printers, you know, 100, 200%. Now they're down to like 20% margin on a printer. Why? Because the, 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 the click per page charge is so high that they have to save costs somewhere else to in order to compensate for that. And they're trying to drop that down as much as possible. I don't see the reason why they can't because you can sort of see the profits they make on that. But it is what it is. You can pay uh, 2 rand 50 for a full A4 color page, you know, as a click charge. 
Sure. Uh, and for black and white, you can pay 35 cents or something. Sure. So if you, if, you, if you build it on that perspective on those things, it's very, very expensive. So going paperless, once again, saves you huge amounts of money as well in that space. So the transition that you were speaking about where people, where they're going, what are they doing? What are companies like Kofax going to do when they're not going to be able to scan anything anymore that's paper? Well, they obviously do digital scanning, okay, which is because they, they're a company that extract data from documents and then populate that metadata into environment so they can still do that. They have other tools that they bought and purchased a company called Kapow. Which is I've always heard that. Yeah, name. it's fantastic. It's a it's a screen scraping tool uh, in oh, layman's okay. terms, right. and they'll go onto websites. So, for instance, the FBI in the US use Kapow, okay, to be able to generate information uh, based on social media uh, that they can find or right. somebody's profiles or banking system or whatever, and they can extract information because they create a profile saying, when you go to Facebook, extract all this sort of information for this person, add them to a database for us, and then pre-repopulate that into like a portal of some sort so that we've got access to all these people that are on our watch list. And they can do that live. They don't need access to anything. If they have access, they can get more. But just from whatever you can see on your screen, they have access to that immediately and they can scrape that stuff out in layman's terms, put it together and populate it in a portal. And you have full information on somebody that you have no idea about. And we had a discussion about this in the Middle East because you can't even search certain internet sites in, there, uh, in Dubai at all because they block literally things that they feel is either profanity or um, going to create any pornography, any sort of conflict. So irreligious things. So not only Christianity, but Muslim or Islamic things as well. They don't let you search that because they don't want some conflict. So they manage it quite extensively. And the kapal for them is like, yes, we need that because we okay, can find and kick anybody out of the country for anything we do. They monitor things like your WhatsApp. If you swear at somebody on your WhatsApp, if I swear at you, for an example, you can go to the police and lay a charge against me and I need to pay a 250,000 dirham fine. Okay, that's a million rand that I need to pay for doing that because I'm not allowed to do that. So people, call, I can't go on Facebook there and just complain and say, oh, this guy just parked my parking spot, what an idiot he is and etc, etc. And like put you out there in the public because you might have a reason for that. So I'm not allowed to judge you. That's for the police and the courts to do. So I can't just do that. So they have these tools and they use Kapow there as well to sort of manage this uh, enterprise of, of, of social media that they have there to sort of see what the people are doing if they need to be accepted into varsity can they work for the police and they do this whole history scrape of all your things it's quite scary and this is like that spy thing people talk about right so companies like Kofax can extract data from anything that's the point of the business it's not a scanning company anymore it's a data extraction business so it's on all levels yeah transforming all your other physical or digital um, um, okay. workloads into information that is usable and that's the purpose and that's where they're going and if you're not going there you're not going to have any business in the back future. in my day before the internet um, faxing was still very much a big thing even mm -hmm. when the internet started a company called Zilab I don't know if you I do know them yeah. they used to the, the French intelligence um, used to wiretap fax machines and intercept content pull it through Zilab Zilab would ICR, OCR it and grab exact phrases and, and send it on. Now you can do it with Kapow. Yep. So the world is moving. Uh, top tips for people that want to get into scanning right now. Um, what is it that they should look at? I mean, we haven't even talked about um, image cleanup, which people don't seem to understand. No. Um, there's a lot of, of, of things that we haven't spoken about that would, could probably take a better part of a day around the yeah. speckle, the shade. Yeah. Blackboard remover, what what is onion paper, white 
I never considered white of paper until I had to scan a piece of paper. Yeah, no, exactly. So there's a lot of those things that, that people don't even think about. They want to scan a piece of paper. There's a page, it's A4 size, let's scan it. Yeah. There's a science behind how, what, if the paper is 10 years old, this is the amount of weight you can think about. Yeah. Added to it from a dust perspective. Just yeah. that alone. Because yeah. yeah, you can damage it, right? And then it's completely gone. And that's now something that was important that could have been torn or ripped. Because oh. scanners go fast. They can scan 200 pages per minute. So, you know, you've got to like obviously understand those things. Look, top tips for me is uh, planning. It's very important. So, you've got to understand what it is you're scanning, the document type, and what the purpose is. Why, why do you want to scan something? So, don't just scan for the sake of scanning, like I said, to save the trees. That's not the point. The point is it's going to go into uh, electronic format for a specific reason. So what is that reason? And there's multiple reasons, okay, as well. And you've always got to understand that. So something might be purely because of records management. The other reason might be because you want to go paperless. You want to be more efficient and put everything into digital format and use it in that way. Um, uh, and then the other thing is because... Um, you know, physical storage costs you a lot of money too, and people just don't want to pay that anymore. Um, and they just want to scan it in. But look, online storage is not the cheapest uh, either, but it's uh, um, compared to what you're paying to have a box saved at something like Metrofile or whatever, it's a lot cheaper. Right? Well, uh, um, signing the document is what costs you money. Yeah, Storing exactly. the Metrofile, it's not hellishly expensive, no. but I mean, it's not. No, you're 100% right. It is. It's that efficiency. Look, there's, there's a lot of the, those factors. So you've got a plan. It's all about planning. My top tip is start. What is it that you want to scan? What is the purpose of it? Look at how much you've got and then work and formulate a plan. If it's per group of documents, um, uh, that's perfectly okay. And I think that's the best way to go. Um, instead of just saying, okay, well, we just want to take this, all these documents we have and just push them into a platform. What is the relevance of that? Are you going to be able to find that? Is it classified properly? Scanning is very structured. So there's no point in just throwing stuff somewhere and then having it sit there and you never be able to find it again anyway, right? Um, so sometimes you don't need to scan something in because from a records management perspective, you can manage physical papers inside of a document management system. What the box is, what the code is, what the number is, what sits in that box, etc. And that will help your efficiency there as well. Um, and then maybe it's a legal thing. There's a law or legislation around it that says you have to have these things in a digital format as well. Um, or you don't have to have them in paper. If you have them in digital, you're perfectly safe in a court of law. And that's uh, another reason maybe people are doing it. Um, because then you've got proper control. Not somebody else who's got control of your boxes and your information. You've got it in your own environment, in your own security. So plan, plan, plan. And speak to people who know these things are relevant. So not anybody can just go and say, yeah, buy this tool and uh, it will do whatever you want. It's not that simple. Yeah, it's a lot more complicated than that. So anybody who does things uh, in any document management pla uh, platforms, EMC, SharePoint, um, IBM, they've all got specialists that focus on that. And you need to speak to those people specifically. But, but in closing, that's the other question. So there's a lot of guys like Xerox, and I, I forget the names, and they're traditional. Their bread and butter is to scan paper and to print paper. So they do. Xerox mm. does that. Mm. And then they go and they bolt on some document management. But what do they really know about where the world is going? Because they really, document management is not niche anymore. Back in the old days, they talked about EDRMS, Electronic Document Records Management System. It's not niche, it forms part of the bigger bubble. Yep. And a lot of these companies like Nashua, if they still around, I don't know if they still around, mm, or, or, or Xerox or Kanoa, these guys, that's what they do, they're specialists. So they'll be able to tell you 
this is how many pieces of paper we can scan, this is the extraction of it, and we can put it somewhere. But how, I'm not too sure how they fit into the larger picture, the space that we play in around proper enterprise information management and all the tooling. They're very specific. Here's a bucket, put it in a bucket. Yeah. No, they don't. I, I agree with that. They don't, play, they don't play in our space. Not in the local market, that's for sure. Oh. And maybe in the US, definitely. they have their own document management system. It's average, oh. but it, it works. Um, but look, I wouldn't say them. I'd say more your guys that focus in those, those companies I spoke about or those platforms. So they do. They would say, let's scan it, let's put it in here, and um, that's the end of that. Oh. But you know, you, when you're doing any sort of planning around what you need to scan, there's, you've got to involve the departments you know, as well as your, your legal team, as well as um, whoever else may need to know about it or be involved. So let's just say, when you plan from the beginning, okay, and understand what it is that you're trying to do, so what is the documents that you want to scan, what is the purpose of that, you can involve the parties that you require, if that's your legal team, if that is your um, uh, specific department, your finance department, HR department, whoever has documents and need to scan, they all need to be involved. It's a very long process. It takes a long time, but it is what it is and uh, because it's a structured process. So you've got to involve all of those departments. The guys like Xerox and Nashua and those guys, they don't play in that space in my honest opinion. Okay. A lot of times I've interacted with them. Uh, I used to work for them. Uh, they don't really have a clue. Not in our markets in South Africa. Maybe in others a little bit more, but uh, generally yeah, not. Um, for instance, uh, Xerox is a, uh, is a Kofax partner um, in the whole of the Middle East. They're one of their all biggest right. partners. Okay. They sell their product. Um, but they rely on Kofax pre-sales as well as their own. They've skilled up to do that. Yeah, they don't care. They just want to sell the printer and make money. Localized, localized. Yeah, a little, little small thing that they do. I think they use Nuance. Um, uh, I don't know. Um, which is like a little scan tool thing that comes standard out of the box or whatever and right. does that. But it's very basic and it's got no real purpose just to scan and put in a file share, right. which we don't want, right? We want everything in the cloud nowadays. So we don't want that. So yeah, so... so um, you, you would reach out to, to specialist companies that focus on those things. SharePoint specialist companies, IBM, Documentum, whatever your platform is you're using, they have a specialist uh, person there that they'll be able to assist you in that space specifically. So, how do people get hold of you? Where do they find you on the, on the interwebs? Yeah, so, if you stalkerish like Alistair, then I don't know if I should be giving this out because... As uh, long as you don't give up just your periscope. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah I think I'll leave that, eh? Um, so I have a, a blog on Medium. I don't blog too often, but I, I try. Okay. Yeah, you it's, actually uh, belong to two publications. Yes, I do. Sorry. Yeah, Office 65 Insights is one of them. Um, and then the Information Worker publication. Well, that's 365 Insights, yeah. So you belong to the Clark Inc.? Oh, there we go. Yes, that's, that's the one. And three, uh, 365 That one was irrelevant because of the guy who manages that publication. Okay. But, um, the same guy that handles 365 Yeah, but there's other cool people okay. involved in that. So uh, I'm on there. So it's my Twitter handle, which is Brandon underscore Wordis. And that's me on Twitter as well. And you can just find me there. That's the best okay. place, to be honest. I'm always active uh, and respond there. Um, yeah, that's about it. That's, that's where you can find me. What you can... And if people want to buy your calendar? Um, well, it's on request. All right. Okay, but just you can just send me a direct uh, a DM, slide into oh. my DMs, okay. and then I'll slide back into your DMs with a oh. with an offer. Okay, yeah. great. Well, um, it's, it's a variation uh, depends on on who you are. Yeah. Just uh, the password for the DM is hashtag MCM. Yes. Um, uppercase M, lowercase C, uppercase M, and that's how you get all the brand. But thanks a lot for being on the show. This Thanks, week. man. Cheers. Hope to do this again for sure. Sweet, cool interview. 
Yeah, it was good. Uh, we've been. It's, good. it's so funny. Uh, we 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 tagged him uh, Man Crush Monday, and we recorded it on a Monday. So, and that wasn't planned. Eh? That was not at all planned. It just happened to be that way. Works out nicely, yeah. <laughs> it does. When the Anyhow, universe gives you a hand. Oh, uh, yeah, that's kind of scary. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Sweet. Then we're on to the news. In the news. First up, just an interesting little thing. Um, we've been getting the preliminary builds for Redstone 3, if you're on the fast string. Um, and the latest builds of Redstone 3 have a neat little feature called um, Restore VM. So it's a setting you can enable in Hyper-V. And basically what it does is it does automatic snapshots for you as you're going through. And um, so it makes it quick and easy to restore back um, when you're deving things. And it just makes the process a, a bit easier. You don't have to do it manually. So just for the listeners out there, Redstone is the code name for Windows 10 updates. Yes, we've just had uh, the creators update, which was Redstone 2. Um, and now, obviously, if you're still in the fast ring, you're, you're getting the new updates, and, and that's for what will eventually be Redstone 3. Uh, and uh, the name Redstone actually comes, I think it started, shit, man, uh, with Windows Vista. Um, they used something stone. It might have even have been Windows 98. I can't remember. But they usually, they always name their products after mountains in America. So I think Redstone's a but mountain there's, somewhere. There, there, there's a bunch of different things they use for um, code names. Often it's cities. It's usually cities for like a certain level. Redstone, I think, I, I mean... I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure Redstone comes out of Minecraft. Possibly. Uh, that there's Redstone's the micro, uh, the Minecraft analog to circuitry, basically. He built all okay. sort of circuits uh, and stuff. Wow. I did uh, not know. And they started using the Redstone uh, code name after they bought Minecraft. So maybe that's I don't know. Maybe maybe there is a mountain. I don't know if there is an American mountain range. But chances are it's not. <laughs> but yes, you're right. I think Windows 95 is called Chicago. Yeah, I think they usually do do. And then there was Tahoe, which was uh, the first SharePoint. Yeah. And it's they... not named after the Chevy Tahoe. <laughs> no, the Chevy Tahoe is, is named after Tahoe, which is <laughs> in some, one of the states somewhere. Just on that creator's update that came through, there are some Surface Pro 4 and Surface Book patches, firmware upgrades, uh, to make it a bit more stable, but you have to be on the creator's update in order to roll that out. I think it was pushed out, I think it was pushed out yesterday. So if you are a Surface Pro 4 user or a Surface Book user, you'll start seeing um, that stuff come through in the next week or two. Cool. Then the next bit of news, the next bit of news we have, um, Microsoft is following through on their plan to integrate LinkedIn into their systems. So the first little bit of Dynamics 365 LinkedIn integration is uh, coming out now, and that is Dynamics 365 for Talent. It's a HR system, basically, talent management, 
Um, and what it'll do is it'll give you a full profile for people and it will use uh, LinkedIn information as well. So if, you, if you're using this to manage your staff, um, it's a lot easier on the initial um, intake because you can pull all their details straight out of LinkedIn, which they keep up to date and whatever. And it sort of short circuits that whole bit, which is quite cool. What I find fascinating is that uh, you reference the ZDNet article and not the Mary J. Foley article. ZDNet article is the Mary J. Foley article. Oh, so she publishes and then they just copy it. Not like All About Microsoft is a ZDNet blog. But she's got that other one now. All About Microsoft. All About Microsoft is a ZDNet. She's also writing for um, Petri, Petri yes. under therot.com, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah, you are the definitive authority on Mary J. Foley. So whenever I grab a post and I see ZDNet and you have the same link, I'm thinking, but that's strange and it actually makes sense now. No, yeah, yes. Z, like All About Microsoft is a ZDNet blog, which if you guys want to keep in track, keep track of what Microsoft is doing is a brilliant resource. She, is, she gets the all the scoops. authority. Yeah, between definitive her, authority. Yeah, between her and uh, Paul Therott, like they just yeah. get everything first. It's brilliant. Win Supersite. Is that Paul Therott's uh, one, eh? Yeah, oh, it's therott.com now. Okay, all right. I remember when Windows 95 launched, I think he launched his... his uh, it's, it was him and Tom from Tom's Hardware. Yeah. They both came out at the same time. Yeah. And they're both on Windows Weekly, if, oh, if okay. you're interested in the... In, in Windows news, not not as specific as we go into SharePoint and stuff, but the sort of general Windows, Microsoft consumer news, that is brilliant. Yeah, I think Tom sold Tom's hardware to someone a good couple of years ago, okay. which is actually quite interesting. Moving along. Yes, there is actually more LinkedIn Dynamics 365 news. Uh, Microsoft announced that they would be releasing Dynamics 365 apps for sales, but no details as exactly what it is that that's going to be mate um, I'm, I'm so confused so with crm I, 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 there's just stuff like modules like here's one for sales and then then they've got one for customer management then they've got one for something else uh, well, and it's, it's crm crm is is very much it's the relational database model right you can hook that up any number of different ways that there's a number of ways you can make those relations and it a number of different scenarios you can apply that sort of architecture to. Um, so that's where you get all the different flavors. And it's actually packaged so nicely. Uh, I would love for the CRM team or the Dynamics team to speak to the Office 365 team and discuss how to package and release and launch things because it's not as sporadic as updates that we get for on the Office 365 productivity stack. Speaking about that, probably 20 minutes after we recorded last week's show, Microsoft went out and I remember we talked about uh, classification labels last week yeah. around how Microsoft just sort of like went and said, ta-da, here's some crazy ass shit. Yeah. 20 minutes after we recorded, Microsoft did the same shit. They went and they said, ta-da, here's Microsoft to do. And everyone yeah. goes, well, what the hell is to do? Well, it's a, it's a Wonderlist replacement. Yeah, they bought Wonderlist, and, and this yeah. is where they spent their money. <laughs> but uh, uh, then they released it, and everyone went, oh, let's go test it. But they haven't 
and they hadn't rolled it out to any of the tenants. So you couldn't test it because there's a little switch that you flip in your tenant to say, okay, enable to do. And everyone that wanted to work with to do couldn't work with to do. <laughs> the irony. <laughs> so it should be in your tenant right now if you want to go have a look at it. Like everything else with Microsoft, if they release something and you can't find it, take the name of the product and prefix that to .microsoft.com and chances are you'll hit it. So go to todo.microsoft.com, like forms.microsoft, like powerapps.microsoft, like teams.microsoft and go check if you can enable it. If you can't, go to your tenant or speak to your administrator, get them to enable it in your tenant. I don't know where because I haven't looked at it after it didn't work the first time. I'll probably look at it later today and get them to enable it. And now you can start uh, to doing stuff, which filters right through to Outlook tasks and everywhere else. Which is super cool. It yeah, is. I'm going to have to play around with that. That could be a very handy tool. I'm not sure if it goes all the way down to planner tasks. Well, we'll have to see how far the integration goes. I'm, if it, I'm sure it'll, it'll also eventually filter into flow and uh, all that sort of stuff. Or maybe it, does it roll up into Teams Planner? Because that's the other question. I don't know. We're just we're just speculating now. We'll actually <laughs> we'll actually have to play around with it and see. Definitely, definitely. Um, next up on that, just speaking about um, releases, Microsoft is now rolling out the small business uh, SKU or business premium subscribers are getting Outlook Customer Manager. So it's like Dynamics because you don't get Dynamics on the business premium stuff. I think. Yeah, we, we've actually spoken about this before, the Outlook Customer Manager. Previously, it was in Windows, um, and you could use that. So it's a... it's a In Windows? Yeah, like in, in, in regular Outlook. So, okay. Um, now it's rolling out to uh, iOS and uh, Outlook in the cloud, if you've got a 365 Business Premium subscription. Because they, they had a business contacts manager product back in, I think it was 2011. You never, listen, you never listen to me when I talk on this podcast, do you? I remember you, you mentioned this before. We had yeah. a conversation about it, yes. Now I do yes. listen to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's rolling out to, to more locations, which is cool. I haven't had a look at this. I do not have a business premium subscription. Just I don't either. Not, not, nor a use for this. Um, in, well, you could, you could in go spin up a trial. Stuff. Yes. I think I, that's what I'm going to do. I'll spin up a trial and have a squeeze. Cool. It's not hell of a relevant to enterprise level customers. No. Um, you, you'd rather have CRM, but it's a, it's a handy little thing if you are doing that, if you're running well, your own consulting house or whatever. The, the, the SME market in South Africa, this is like squared straight at them. Yes, dynamics in the cloud, it ain't cheap, mate. Yeah. Because all these, all these like, we, we're going to see. I'm pretty sure sometime very soon this hook into LinkedIn as well. Um, Everything will. Yeah, I mean that's just the go-to so, place. Yeah, we. This is this is actually probably like we talked about those Dynamics 365 apps for sales. Um, there'll probably be some integration into this sort of Outlook customer manager thing, um, so you can pick up. Uh, Entirely possible. All, all the company details and stuff like that out of out of LinkedIn, which would be super interesting. Definitely. And apparently, yeah, it works with Flow and everything, Cortana and some stuff. Yeah. I see there's a big push for Cortana now as well. 
uh, making it a bit smoother. There was some mention of it in the week. Yeah, they they are very much pushing that. Don't know how much of a subscriber base they really have using it as opposed to Alexa or... Um, oh, look, Alexa's got the biggest others. one. Well, actually, no, I don't know. I think Siri will probably have it because of devices. Yeah, they've, they've just got more devices out in the market. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. Like, the, the that marketplace hasn't really shaken down yet so that we can really track how many people are using what and who's using what services. So I think everything's very still much in flux there. It'll be interesting to see how it... Uh, how it... Uh, ends up yeah there was some new release from from amazon on it oh shit man i i want to find it um what was it uh there's a new alexa device like you have the echo and the echo dot yeah oh and hell i saw a story uh today um somebody it's the had, echo look it, it it's that little like it looks like a can of deodorant or whatever it's, it's called the echo pillow. look it's a little black pillar thingy. Yes, that's the new yeah. Echo look. It, it's supposed to, what does it do? It, it's got a camera. Yeah, so and, it, and it'll listen camera. to your voice and you can interact. Uh, a, one dude had a parrot who ordered a bunch of stuff through Alexa. Oh, uh, that happens all the time. Yeah. So if you don't have two-factor authentication, your kids start ordering shit and it arrives from Amazon. And not, not the kids, dude, the parrot. His parrot <laughs> learned the name of, of Alexa and, and started just ordering shit. Oh. oh so that's, so, that's so when was this article? I think it was today or yesterday. So there's this thing called the Echo Look that's got a built-in camera. So it, Amazon describes it as a hands-free camera and style assistant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so like, wow, you look fat in that dress. <laughs> I'd buy it just for the, that value. <laughs> To see what the hell it does. So you get dressed, stand in front of it, it looks at you and says, see now, mm -mm, the gray doesn't go with the blue. <laughs> what, what I find hilarious, right, is this: people are going to like love this and they'll go out and buy a bunch of them. But if you remember when, Mike, uh, when Microsoft had the Kinect for the Xbox and people got so pissed that the camera was always on. Uh, like, super impatient of private, how could you do this? Oh, that's terrible. Oh, look, Alexa, let me buy one of these. Put it in my house. Look, the echo the, looks. Ah, uh, it, it's the same thing. <laughs> it's great. It's the though. same thing. Microsoft <laughs> keep doing that. Like they they bring out something like five years before the world is ready for it, um, and then somebody else brings it out and it's a huge success. But but think about it. The the echo look now. Think about what what you can build on top of that. So now you can start um, submitting two photos for a second opinion. So the social side is just manic, right? Then there'll be other skills that will come out relating to fitness and weight loss coaching. Your virtual coach, it will do like a, like, a, like a BMI reading and then it'll tell you stuff. And how mental will that be, man? That's, that's super badass. Um, I don't think they have as tight security as Microsoft does. Uh, Look at, uh, th th those things getting hacked are going to be a big thing. And then we've got another IoT botnet, like, trashing the internet. Great. It's, it'll be great. great. Well, it, it's selling for $199, so it ain't cheap, mate. No. But it's no. still, it's hectic. <laughs> it, is, it is a super cool toy. Back to the Microsoft stuff. What other yeah. news you got for us, Al? 
So, so uh, coming on the back end of uh, Office 365 uh, releases, there's now group support in Outlook for Mac because all the Mac users were going, yeah, I'm using uh, Outlook 2016 or Office 2016 for Mac and where's my groups? So now users will have the full-blown group support in Outlook for Mac and we'll also see it on iOS and Android. Sweet. So that's quite neat. Yep. So carrying, carrying on along the Office 365 flavor, there some new stuff and new updates to the Fast Track Center. For those who don't know what the Fast Track Center is, it is Microsoft's onboarding portal. So head over to fasttrack.microsoft.com. It's a rich uh, section of information for envision planning, how to onboard. And what they've released now is uh, some collaboration use case guidance, which is actually quite neat. Remember when they released Teams, the world went crazy and said, well, what is it, Teams, Yammer, what, what, what do we yeah, use we, when? We, we've talked about this multiple times. What do we use when? How should we decide which oh. organization they'll need fits, what technology, all that sort of stuff. So they're coming up with some guidelines themselves. That is they've actually, yeah, it's very, they've actually got a use case guidance that splits Teams, Yammer, Outlook, SharePoint, and Skype. And Teams is a chat-based workspace. Yammer is enterprise social. SharePoint is site and content management. And it breaks it down in layman's terms so that the average human being can actually understand what the hell's going on. That is super handy. Oh, it's very neat. So, yeah, head over to it. I'm not sure. Um, the example in our notes feeds that. So this is obviously a slide from a session, but you head over to the Fast Track Productivity Library and it covers those things, which is quite neat. Sweet. Coming back to what you were saying about restoring VMs and the Windows 10 stuff. Yeah. Windows 10 Cloud Books, because there's the new Windows 10 Cloud OS. Yes. Very um, interesting, very interesting. Well, it, it's a lightweight OS in the same vein as... Um, Chromebooks. The, as, as Chromebooks, yes. Yeah, so Chromium this, and all of those to, things. To, to my eyes, this looks very much like Microsoft trying to stay in the education market. A bunch, of education, sure. a bunch of educational institutions had started to convert over to Google services just because, you know, the devices are cheaper and it sort yeah. of works and it's kind of fine. Um, it's not as good as the Microsoft stack, but it's cheaper. Um, and Microsoft don't want that. Microsoft don't want degreed professionals going out never having used Office. Oh. Know, that, that would be a huge reversal in their eyes. So I think... And we can see they've done big pushes into education. Um, these cloud books are one of them. So it's a cheap alternative uh, to the Chromebook style things, but you get some flavor of Windows um, and, and, and that sort of thing, which is very cool. And we've had a bunch of other stuff recently, like the, um, the enhancements to OneNote in the cloud. You get... Uh, a whole, it's almost a whole different skew of OneNote for education where you can have class workbooks and you can do surveys and quizzes through it. And so did you, have, did you, did you mention, did you mention this in the, in any of the, uh, the last 29 episodes? I don't think so. It's not okay, relevant correct, to, okay. it's not relevant to all, but maybe I, I just making sure that that maybe if I comment on this topic, um, you don't shoot me down and tell me that I don't listen to you. Oh, just like making you, sure. Just, just you, clarifying. Just clarifying. Well, you always run that risk, eh? You've uh, got to be brave, Al. 
Because we are on episode 30, mate. You cannot expect me to remember the last 29 episodes worth of commentary. I do remember most of it, but there yes. are times when I'll fail you in this regard. Just on the back end of Windows 10 Cloud, I'm hoping that Windows 10 Cloud will now support the old Surface RTs, because I still have one. And there was a table around boot speed, sir. Chrome and the Chromebook stuff still boots faster than some of the Windows 10 uh, cloud stuff. Um, there's an actual table somewhere on the interwebs. I can't remember where. I'm, but I'm sure a bunch of people have done comparisons, yeah. Yeah, so there is some reference hardware running around somewhere that they've benched against this, which is quite neat. Yeah, and like it's, it's interesting. Um, I don't know. I haven't actually played with it. Like, I don't know how lightweight the client actually is. Can it run no all idea. apps? Or like, I have no idea. Is, is it, the thing is, with RT, that's difficult because that is very specific hardware. Um, yeah, but... Like but the, RT, the RT flavors of Windows were... Like, they had to be coded specifically for that hardware. Yeah. And yes. I don't know if they're going to do a flavor of 10 Cloud well, look, did, for, like, at such a small population of people. Yeah, 10 Cloud runs on ARM. That's what it is. So... It runs on X64 ARM. I don't. I think the RTs were X uh, were were um, 32, but not 64. But yeah, they, I'm not they're, it's, a, sure. it's a very different chipset. Hey, like that's a number of generations ago. But Microsoft demoed, and we covered it on the show. Full blown Windows on ARM. Yeah, with on, Qualcomm. On a, on, yeah, on the new. I ARM think it processors. was December last year when it was when they yeah. mentioned that. So this all doesn't make sense to me. Anyhow, we digress. And once again, Microsoft just uh, destroys everything with the release or uh, well, the public preview of SQL Server 2017. Yep, another new SQL. SQL Server 2017. Yep. That's, that's I, yeah, I, I did not expect the SQL Server 2017, I must say. We had SQL Server 2016. Yeah. Last year, less than a year ago. I, I was <laughs> expecting like SQL Server 2020. Maybe no, look, be like 2018 to be the next one. Yeah, 20, 2018 made more sense. Uh, but I think it's because they, they're pushing around cloud. So they've added another language to support SQL. So they're supporting Python now. Full-blown SQL on Linux. Full-blown. Remember they, they, they launched last year their support for Linux, so you could run some stuff, but it wasn't full-blown SQL. Now it's full-blown SQL. Yeah, it's, Which is crazy. it's Microsoft's thing now, hey? Micro, like Office everywhere, Microsoft everywhere. Yeah. No matter what OS you're using, no matter what device you're using, no matter what you're wanting to do, there is uh, a perfect Microsoft solution for it. And it'll I'd love to the see other yeah. Office 20-something for Linux, because we haven't seen that yet. Yeah, like that. that is a very the, – the consumer portion of Linux is tiny. Like this, there's not a. Sure. You have more to put Mac a lot of users than Linux users on the way, desktop. Way, way more, way more, way more. You'd have to put a lot of effort into getting those users, like first to getting Office to run properly on that platform, and then you're now supporting another platform, um, and then getting them off their entrenched uh, environment into uh, Star the Microsoft Office or Open the, Office or one of those. Yeah, things. like so that that's a whole bunch of mission with. Not a lot of uh, benefit. Yeah, true, if you're going true. after the guys running iOS, you know that they're, they're using it now on their Mac and on their iPhone and blah, blah, oh. blah. And besides, um, anyone running Linux on the desktop is probably using uh, cloud-based productivity tools anyway, like Google. Yeah, or, or something like that, or they've coded their own because 
those are the kind of people <laughs> who do it. Um, but on the enterprise side, a lot of data centers are running Linux. Um, and it, it yes. is cheaper than, than running... Oh, you uh, don't have to license a, a Windows um, server. Yeah, exactly. You run it on Linux. That's the first thing. Yeah. But now you can run SQL on it as well and have it interact with um, Microsoft Server... Uh, based sequels as well and uh, that's super interesting no, that's cool. bar, bar, bar th- th- there's a lot more benefit for them doing this sort of stuff like Linux support for the enterprise products than there are for the end user yeah. productivity type stuff for sure and on that uh, SQL Server 2016 was the last supported version for SharePoint BI yep. on if you're installing SQL Server 2017, all BI will be done in SQL alone. So reporting services, analysis services, no integration into SharePoint. That's fine. Just a heads up. Okay. I'm, I'm fine with that. Like setting Everyone's up that integration that. was horrifying. Was it was. So bad. Uh, because it, invariably, you'd have to spin up and configure Kerberos. Yeah. But and even no. then, like what, once it's in integrated mode, it doesn't do a bunch of stuff and then this funny thing happens and then like I can't pass a token and oh. Yeah, no, it's just, it, it was always easier to do it separately and just do your navigation through SharePoint if that's necessary. Yeah. So Microsoft's touting a hybrid platform as a service now. Um, so you've so got PaaS infrastructure as a service stuff coming through with uh, Azure managed instances for Azure SQL databases and SQL databases with replication and um, all those crazy uh, ways of doing things now. And there's a lot of that coming through uh, for SQL Server 2017. That is super cool. I'm and actually speaking spin- of Azure, yeah. um, there was recently held the Global Azure Boot Camp. Yes, 22nd of April across the planet. Uh, I, I, I think it was either over 70 or over 100 boot camps across the planet, mate, on the same day. That Started off in cool. Oz and it ended in Seattle. Nice. And, and we had our own versions of that in South Africa. Sweet. And you were involved in all of those. So it sounds like we got quite a good turnout. It, we did. We did. Um, once again, Microsoft, if you're listening, um, speak to the experts that know how to run events when you start doing these things because it, uh, they spun up WordPress on an Azure website where people created shit. It's so random. And it was, in a, it's, oh, it was God awful. So Microsoft fixed that. But yes, it was a great event. Uh, we had over 60 people in Joburg, 30 in Cape Town, and 30 in Durban. And we did a straight off the bat, there were two tracks, Dev and IT Pro. Uh, well, in Joburg anyway, Cape Town had different speakers. So it wasn't like a full-blown workshop tracks like we had up in Johannesburg. But 80% of the attendees were new to That's Azure. That's awesome. Yeah. On the IT Pro cool. side, there were two oaks that have actually spun up Azure and one person running something in production. That was awesome. On the dev side, full room, and they were all very interested in what they could do from a dev perspective, um, what these containers were and what is a web app in, um, in Azure and all of those things. And it was very cool. Yeah, I think the story for developers is super compelling. Like, you just don't have to worry about anything. You can just hook into the services, and it just it just works. You don't have any does, of the headache much. that uh, that these they, these sorts of developments normally entail. It was actually quite funny because I I published a blog post on moving to the cloud. All right, Friday evening, 
Yeah. And Saturday morning, um, Andre Kirkland, who I regard as, there's nothing about Microsoft that he doesn't know. It's just uh, from an IT pro perspective, it's mental. I don't know where in his memory palace he gets to store all of this. Infrastructure-wise, there's only one person on the planet, and it's him. So they did a Azure one one and my points in my blog post was what they were referring to. So it was extremely refreshing to know that I wasn't going crazy, that that reaffirms um, my uh, post, actually, around reasons to move to, to Azure. One of the reasons is that Microsoft is the largest compliance search in the in compliance search in the industry when it comes to security. So there is no way that anyone on prem can say that their data center or their little server room is more secure than Azure. Impossible. It is impossible. So everyone worries about threats and those things. Microsoft has got one. They don't throw it around. You know, they don't go openly publicize it. But I tweeted a picture, and I think there's over 30 um, compliance certs in there. That's a lot, hey. It's they've really been too. pushing it hard. Yeah, but they've never, I've seen it in a couple of slides, like at Ignite. Uh, but that, no one leads with that to say, well, look, look at how many certifications we have around compliance and, and, and security for it. Yeah. And, and I think... Yeah, that covers my stuff for, for this week's news. Yeah, you I got think, any more stuff? I think that's it for the news. It's actually time for my favorite <laughs> portion of the show, which is uh, your new find of the week. New find of the week. Yes, uh, this is actually a part two of last week's one. Or was last week's? Last week spoke about IFTTT. Um, this week I'd like to speak about a product called Twibble. I actually use Twibble. A lot of times, I fail to filter, following people, following... Uh, it's like, I think it's called Feedly. Yes. I think Feedly does. Feedly aggregates your blog post, sort of like... Um, yeah. You used to, you know, RSS it's, a, feed. it's an RSS aggregator, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Google had one. Google had a reader, didn't they, that they killed? Yeah, I used Google Reader, but then I went across to Feedly when that died. All right. So Twibble is like Feedly on steroids. What Twibble allows you to do is grab RSS feeds and retweet it or tweet it as if you were tweeting it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so that's how I've, I've, I've seen your tweets recently. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's like via so-and-so. Yeah, so it will go by. Um, well, you actually have to pay for Twibble. <laughs> so ah. the, I pay for it, but the, the, the plan that I'm on some of my tweets, like Mary J. Foley's tweets, it will go by that specific person. Some of it won't because when I ran the trial, I had all the functionality, and then when I started paying for the middle version, it broke my function. It said, no, well, you can't go at, and you can't do this and that. But it's great, though. So for me to recap on what's happening in the world, I don't have to go to Feedly or, or um, Google Reader. I actually just go look at my tweets for the day. And I can now filter on that because those are the things that I'm interested in. And now I've got a record of everything, which is quite nice. That's super cool, yeah. Because now I can, a I can go. All of those is nice. Yeah. I can go back. I can now go. Yes, exactly. So I can digest what other people are saying that I don't um, follow from a blog perspective. I can read it now in one format. And it's nice because people that follow me also get that information. Sweet. So I think it's tourable.io, IO being the 
new sexy domain to have, .io. Yeah, I, I don't know where that came from. I suppose all the other ones were just uh, used up and like the new cool crowd is like, oh, we'll use .io and, yeah. and so that became a thing. So moving on to my favorite part of the show, the Modlin's PowerShell Commandlet of the Week. Yes, um, we've got quite a high-level commandlet uh, this week that does a whole bunch of stuff for us. So it is set sp farm config. So just like it sounds like, you can use this to set some of your SharePoint farm configuration. Um, if we want to be dealing with this sort of stuff programmatically through PowerShell, this is how we can do it. So it does a whole bunch of stuff. I'm just going to run through very quickly um, some of the parameters you can change. So you can switch on and off the Dota form web part auto refresh. So if you've, I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like an so, Excel services thing. Yeah, no, it's not so bad. So no, if you've got a Dota form web part on a page, so you, you, you're displaying or whatever. Okay, all right. Um, you can turn on and off whether or not it can asynchronously refresh. Like once the page okay. is loaded, if it'll uh, periodically refresh itself, uh, refresh right. that data. Um, you can do installed product refresh, which will update the current machine license state with the list of products that are actually installed on the farm, which is handy. Okay, you can change and or delete the service connection point binding information. So this um, adds or updates or deletes the service connection point for the current farm in Active Directory domain services. So if, okay. you some, if, if your farm somehow falls uh, off of the domain, you can use this to hopefully uh, deal with that. So that the, the type for this commandlet, if, if you're adding one, um, it has to be an array of strings that are the key value pairs that'll be added from this one to that one. So that gets a little complicated, but... Yeah, that's high grade, but... Yeah, if, if you need to troubleshoot that, you can... This will be part of that solution, which might help you out. Um, you can change the workflow batch size for a data for a, a for the farm. So how many workflows can run on a content database before it starts getting queued. Um, you can also use this to um, set the event delivery timeout for workflows. Uh, these are SharePoint designer workflows, I take it. Um, I think, well, I think Nintex uses the same timer service. So um, I haven't run these tests. The timer, the, the job in the timer job service. Yeah. So okay. um, this, is, this specifies the time uh, which a workflow can run before it's considered to be timed out. And All right. It gets gotcha. jumped back to the queue. The default is five minutes. Um, yeah, and, and that's about it. And uh, the postpone threshold for workflows. So how many workflows can be running in IIS before it gets uh, postponed to the queue? And that installed products refresher, what does that do? It does, it does it patch something? What is it? Does it go do a look up it, to find it, it updates the current machine license state with the list of products that are actually installed in the farm. So if if, if okay. you get if you get some issues uninstalling or patching or whatever that this and you're getting conflicts, this will refresh that list okay. um, from from what's actually installed. 
All right, so all your, your patches, your CUs, your PDs, and those things. Yeah, and, and the different products, which I think are the different services and stuff, like if you're using uh, whichever so service. Uh, yeah. uh, like language packs and those things. Yeah, it, this is quite a complicated one. You can use it in a, in a bunch of different ways. Um, but yeah, if, if you are dealing with some of those issues, this might be a point to start looking at how to solve those. Uh, it's all higher grade, mate. I'm so yeah, glad we moved to the cloud. <laughs> yes, where, where you don't have to do this stuff. Well, you still have to do it. In, uh, the, this, you, level, the, this level of work you won't have access to in the cloud. Oh, well, Office not, 365, though. But yeah. if, you, if you are, there are still sticklers out there that will say, no, I want to put SharePoint in Azure. I don't want to put it, I don't want to move because there's functionality that I want with SharePoint on-prem, but I'll deploy SharePoint in Azure. And then I'll run some sort of hybrid into SharePoint Online. Because there yeah. are clients that want that. Yeah, some people don't want sensitive data outside of their control, and so the hybrid model will will always be a thing, I think. Uh, Azure will probably fix it, yeah. So they should, people should move their SharePoint on-prem. They can keep it and move it to Azure. Because uh, it's still it, cheaper. It, depend, it's cheaper. it depends why they're keeping it. If they really don't want that data outside of their own data center, then they will keep an on-prem instance. Um, For sure. The but they have a, a third option or a second option to moving to have, your, your move technology the servers, to the cloud. Yeah. <clears throat> move the servers into Azure and you still get the same sort of granularity and control. Yeah. That you you used still to, get the richness, yeah. But the, but the tin is, is hosted. Yeah. It's, yeah you, CO2 emissions, backup policies. I said there's um, some, some cool um, Citric. Yeah, there's also some cool stuff on the Azure, but we'll be talking a lot more on the Azure side um, in the upcoming months. There's that, like, stuff like Azure Site Recovery. So you can, uh, uh, be, uh, trust me, uh, we'll spend the next 40 minutes talking about these things. Yeah. Which will every have to every be... show for the next 300 shows. Yes, and that will have to be the next show because that is the end of this show. Yes. So I would like to thank you all for listening. You can grab us online. Our website is twoguysinsharepoint.co.za. We are also on Twitter at twoguyssharepoint. I'm on Twitter at oddmodlin. And L is? At Alistair Pugin. We're also on Facebook. And, uh, We're iTunes everywhere. And Stitcher. Stitcher, TuneIn, Pocketcast. Go crazy. All, all the different things. You can find us everywhere. Search for Two Guys in Sharepoint. Please do like, share, subscribe, leave a review. Do all those wonderful things. Um, thank you so much for joining me this evening, Al. Yeah, it's been great. Um, enjoy the rest of your public holiday. Uh, but I you've got tomorrow will. off. Uh, well, you've got I, Friday off. I do. I'm going to be editing this tomorrow morning. Uh, oh, and nice. you guys will be listening to it tomorrow afternoon. Fantastic. I'll speak to you soon. Sweet. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.